This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Today, I'm going to provide smoking gun evidence that proves once and for all that there's an extraterrestrial presence here on Earth and that the United States government has known about this for 75 years and has very successfully kept it a secret. Now, some of these documents that we're going to talk about here that's going to uh, prove my points, uh, they're out there in the public domain. Uh, They've been there for a long time. Uh, You've probably read these online, some of you. Some of you have probably seen them mentioned in documentaries. Some of you have probably seen them mentioned in books. They've, they're out there. And, and they're talked about a lot. But a lot of times it, they get, it's, they're not talked about enough. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about these documents a little bit more than, and, and break them down. And we're, we're going to uh, get to the bottom of this. And you're going to see that these documents, uh, particularly the first one, proves that the United States government has known that there's an extraterrestrial presence on Earth, and they've known about this since 1947. Now, of course, 1947, 75 years ago, uh, that was the year that uh, everyone starts seeing UFOs. You know, now UFOs have been, you know, spotted throughout the ages. You know, during uh, Roman times. I mean, biblical times. There's been UFOs. There's been talk of ufos no one no one knew what they were or where they came from they didn't no one ever talked back then about them being from outer space possibly but it wasn't until 1947 two years after world war ii ended that people really started noticing these things particularly in the united states but actually all over the place all over the world they started being spotted but uh so in 1947 uh june of 1947 was when kenneth arnold uh, was flying over Washington State, and uh, he saw nine discs flying in formation over mo- over a mountain range, and that story became international news. It was a, one of the biggest stories that year. You know, uh, no, they, they were uh, they, these objects that he saw. They 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 floated like discs skipping off water, according to Kenneth Arnold. Now, so for the next. Uh, you know, ever since that point, there's been reports of flying saucers and weird craft in the sky ever since. I mean, it's just that it's always been like ever since 1947, we've been talking about this and there's still no answers from the officials who are supposed to provide us answers. They've been keeping secret about this. Now, of course, uh, a lot of us believe, including me, that in July, early July of 1947, a flying saucer crashed in the desert outside of Roswell, New Mexico, and the United States government came in and basically at first admitted it that you know, they captured a flying saucer, but quickly changed that story and said, no, 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 it was a weather balloon, weather balloon, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. And then, of course, 30 years later in the late 19th, over 30 years later in the late 1970s, you know, one of the top officials at Roswell, Jesse Marcel Sr., came out and told the world about it said yeah no this was this was not a weather balloon this was something that we've never seen before and uh and, and the materials that he saw from this crashed object were, were unearthly that story was that story of course stayed buried for uh 30 years plus 
um, until Jesse Marcel, the top intelligence official now, remind, uh, mind you, the top intelligence official in Roswell in 1947 at the only atomic bomb site in the entire planet, right? And he's the top intelligence guy, and he's telling us 30 years later that, no, no, this was not a weather balloon. This was something that we never saw before, okay? You couldn't even bend it. You couldn't bend it. Even with a sledgehammer, would bounce off of it. So... I knew that I had never seen anything like that before, and as of as of now, I don't know what it was. It was not anything from this earth that I'm quite sure of, because I was being an intelligence officer. I was familiar with just about every, all materials used in aircraft and in our air travel. This is nothing like that. It could not be. It could not have been. Now. Of course, that was covered up and forgotten about. But so let's stay back in 1947. Now there was still concerns and and reports and uh, by many people, by by uh, people in the Army Air Forces uh, into the 1950s when it became the Air Force. You know, the Army Air Force, or excuse me, just the, the United States Air Force. There were lots of reports by pilots, uh, not just civilians, but by pilots. They were seeing these things all the time. But in 1947, there was a gigantic wave, and it went on for a long time, and no, nobody had any answers, you know. Actually, there were answers, but they weren't provided. I mean, once that Roswell saucer crashed, that was the answer. Okay, yeah, we, we got the, the answer should have been, well, there's beings from outer space and uh, operating these machines, and we don't know how they got there. We don't know what their intentions are. That, that was the answer, but that answer was kept secret from the, from the public. It was only uh, talked about in... in, in the highest echelons of the government at that point. And even people in, in high positions did not have, were, were not brought into the know on this. Which brings me to the first person we're going to talk about, uh, Brigadier General George Shulgin. Now, at some point uh, during the summer of 1947, during this gigantic UFO wave, now this Brigadier General, right, who's the, he's the commanding general at the time of the Army Air Forces, right, and later on, he would become the commanding general of the United States Air Force. Right now, he sent a letter to uh, General Nathan Twining, right, uh, of the uh, Air Material Command. And now, General Twining. Now, before we even get a little bit further on this, General Twining, as some of you may know, his name appeared on as one of the members of uh, Majestic Twelve. Right, later on. Operation Majestic 12, which was a document that uh, was leaked uh, in the 1980s that showed that in uh, on September 24th, 1947, uh, President Harry Truman enacted this, you know, formed this new group, Majestic 12, to basically study this UFO extraterrestrial problem. You know, this group, apparently, according to these documents, which I've talked about in recent podcasts, if you want to see more about that, I'll I'll leave a link to that. There was a couple different podcasts where I talk about these Majestic 12 documents. So Twining would have known about Roswell. In fact, we actually know that Twining uh, made an unscheduled flight to Roswell during this all this stuff going on in July during the Roswell incident. And then there's no information on why he went there. He wasn't supposed to go there, but he went there. But all we know is that he went there. Flight logs confirm that. And that's it. There was no other information on why he went to Roswell in July of 1947. And, but I think we all have a good idea why he went there. But anyhow, Shulgin sent a letter to Twining at some point, you know, during this 
big gigantic flying saucer wave during 1947 during the summer and he wanted to know okay what do you guys know about these flying saucers do you have any answers so on september 23rd the day before apparently the formation of this majestic 12 group the day before uh there was a letter that twining sent to shulgin and that's the first document that we're going to talk about and uh I just want to point out that this document that we're going to talk about, it was it was classified as secret, not top secret or above top secret. So Twining could, couldn't talk about in that in this document. A lot of people will say, well, if Twining was on Majestic 12, well, well, he should have known more than, than he's saying here, right? Yeah, of course he would have known. But Shulgin, w- w- or he was not on Majestic 12, and he he wouldn't have a need to know about anything that Majestic 12 was investigating. So that's why this document's not talk, uh, cla- was not classified uh, top secret or anything above top secret. It was classified secret. So Shulgin, because Shulgin had no need to know. But there was other information still that was provided in this document. And again, unlike the Majestic Twelve documents, with a lot which a lot of debunkers out there will will try to tell you, well, they're they're fake. Okay, even if you don't believe in the Majestic Twelve documents, forget about the Majestic Twelve documents for this. This document, right, was something. This is a real document, no question about it. Declassified, uh, and actually uh, declassified sometime in the 1960s, right? So let's go through Exhibit Number One. Letter from General Twining to General Shulgin. Subject, Air Material Command Opinion Concerning Flying Discs to the Commanding General Army Air Forces. Attention, Brigadier General George Shulgin. As requested by AC-AS2, there is presented below the considered opinion of this command concerning the so-called flying discs. This opinion is based on interrogation report data furnished by AC-AS2 and preliminary studies by personnel of T2 and Aircraft Laboratory, Engineering Division T3. This opinion was arrived at in a conference between personnel from the Air Institute of Technology Intelligence T2 Office Chief of Engineering Division and the Aircraft Power Plant and Propeller Laboratories of Engineering Division T-3. Two, it is the opinion that the phenomenon reported is something real and not visionary or fictitious. Okay, let's just stop there for a minute. Let me me just say that again and, you know, and sit back in awe and, and, and listen to this. The phenomenon reported is something real and not visionary or fictitious okay that's that's a top general in the united states government telling this brigadier general shulgin that this is real it's real these objects are real okay is that sinking in a little bit for you for people out there that still don't want to believe or people on the fence if you're on the fence okay let's say it again A, the phenomenon reported is something real and not visionary or fictitious. Okay, there you go. That means it's real. B, there are objects probably approximating the shape of a disc 
of such appreciable size as to appear to be as large as man-made aircraft. Okay, he's telling you, he's telling Shulgin, the objects are disc-shaped, okay, disc-shaped, flying saucers, okay, C, there is a possibility that some of the incidents may be caused by natural phenomena such as meteors. Okay, now he's saying that there's only a possibility and that only that and that there's only a possibility, mind you, that some and only some if in, in this possibility there's a possibility that some okay, only some of these incidents may be caused by natural phenomena such as meteors. To me that now that implies that uh you know, no, these objects are there, but you know there's poss- possibly some, only, you know, possibly some might be something else. But otherwise, no, no, this is going on. That's what he's saying there. D, the reported operating characteristics, such as extreme rates of climb, maneuverability, particularly in roll, and action, which must be considered evasive when sighted or contacted by friendly aircraft and radar, lend belief to the possibility that some of the objects are controlled either manually, automatically, or remotely. Okay, now let's go through. This is a very, this sentence here, is, it's written in a way, well, people just gl- glance over and glide over it, but actually this is saying a lot. There's a lot being say, stated here. They're basically saying here that these things are, you know, when, when people, when, when, when our, Back then in 1947, when any anybody in the Air Force is flying around and they see, see these things flying, right, they know that there's that these things are obviously, you know, what, more advanced than anything they're flying in. I mean, because they, they just can't catch up to them, basically. Uh, and, and they're climbing to, uh, to, to levels they're, that where their planes can't, can't climb. So, obviously. So... The report, let's go through it again. The reported operating characteristics, such as extreme rate, rates of climb, maneuverability, particularly in roll, and action, which must be considered evasive when sighted or contacted by friendly aircraft or radars. Again, that part right there is saying, it's saying that these things are evading them. When we get close to them, they take off at speeds that they can't keep up with. And, and you know... So and so that man also that makes them realize. Well, it says here, lend belief to the possibility that some of the objects are controlled either manually, automatically, or remotely. That's saying, okay, well, obviously there's there's intelligence behind these things. Yeah, we get close to them, they take off. We can't get close to them. Okay, continuing. E, the apparent common description of the objects is as follows: one, metallic or light reflecting surface. Two, absence of trail except in a few instances when the object apparently was operating under high performance conditions. Three, circular or elliptical in shape, flat on bottom and domed on top. Four, several reports of well-kept formation flights varying from three to nine objects. Five, normally no associated sound except in three instances a substantial rumbling roar was noted. Six, Level flight speeds normally above 300 knots are estimated. Okay, so they're, they're basically telling you, okay, these things are metal. They're, they're reflecting light. They, uh, they, they mostly, mo- most of the time, don't have any sort of trail. Uh, there's an absence of trail. They're, you know, they're round, circular, elliptical, flat on the top, bone, just like flying saucers, like people are describing. So there you go. 
Okay, then let's continue. F. It is possible with the United States, with the, with the, within the present United States knowledge, provided extensive detailed development is undertaken, to construct a piloted aircraft which has the general description of the object in subparagraph E above, which would be capable of an approximate range of 7,000 miles at subsonic speeds. Well, <laughs> uh, as far as anybody knows, we haven't done that yet. Um, no, no, we haven't. Uh, no. Uh, I, I think that was that was pipe dreaming, at that point. You know, it is part. He's saying it's only possible. He's not saying that it, it, it. You know, it's possible. Maybe you know. That's basically how it sounds to me. But anyway, G continuing. G. Any developments in this country along the lines indicated would be extremely expensive, time-consuming, and at the considerable expense of current projects. And therefore, if directed, should be set up independently of existing product pro- projects. Okay. Now, continuing here, H, due consideration must be given the following. Now, the next three points that he puts here, you know, these are lies, and Twining knew they were lies, and we know now after 75 years that they are lies, okay? One, these are the, this is what due consideration must be given the following. One, the possibility that these objects are of domestic origin, the product of some high security project not known to AC slash AS2 or this command. Now that's that's blatantly false on its face. Okay, okay. For one thing, it was 19. Let's let's go through and why this is completely, absolutely f- fake. That's a that's a that's a phony statement, and and he had to know this. That these po- there's no way that those objects were of domestic origin. Okay, but time has proven that they are not. Okay, it's 75 years later, and guess what? The Pentagon, this past, uh, just uh, in recent months here, told the Congress the same nonsense. They told that same, they're still telling that same lie. There's always a possibility it may be of domestic origin. Now, let's, let's, let's think about that for a minute. Let's think about domestic or how how could these things have been of, of domestic origin back in 1947? World War II had just com- was just over, it just just had finished, right? So you're going to tell me, and, and during a, during a time uh, it was only two years later, right? At this time, you're going to say you're going to try to tell me that uh, during World War II and 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 a couple years after that there was some secret organization, secret group of, of of engineers and scientists working without unbeknownst to anyone else right on these things and 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 our government couldn't figure out that never knew that that was going on because it would have taken time right it would have taken time to come up with this to develop something like this right and besides that, I mean, you look at World War II, there was all this rationing and all this, you know, from, from food, the, the gas, everything else, all the concentration at that time was, was, was winning the war in Europe and, and, and Asia. That was it. So there's no way. There's no way these things were of domestic design. I mean, what kind of government, after 75 years and they're still saying the same thing? That these things are of domestic design? Are you kidding me? How ridiculous is that to, to, to say that? Especially now, I mean, the statement at that time might have sound believable, okay? But we know not. We know now that he's lying at, at that point, right? Because, right, there's no way. Oh, there's 75 years later. They're saying the same things. So they're still lying with the same lie 75 years later that somebody here domestically is building these things. Has, and these, these are the same objects they're talking about today. They're saying, oh, yeah, well, these things that the, the Navy seen, the Air Force is seen, you know, it could be of domestic design. You know, somebody domestically we don't know about is doing this. Now, that's nonsense. That's impossible. 
It's 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 preposterous. There's just there's just no way. It's been going on since 1947. You're going to tell me that somebody domestically in 1947 came up with these objects while well, while World War II was was raging about in Europe and and Japan, right? Rage, World War II is raging on, and meanwhile, there's some secret group of engineers right under the noses of of the United States military, the strongest military in the world at this time, right? Especially by 1947, and uh, that that they 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 accomplished this feat and somehow are just flying rings around our aircraft ever since it's impossible you can't believe that that's nonsense okay then the second lie number two he says the lack of physical evidence in the shape of crash recovered exhibits which would undeniably prove the existence of these objects of course this is a lie uh twining had to know about what crashed at roswell but again because this again, this document that 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 he's sending out to Shulgin and Shul, you know, is only you know classified as secret, not top secret or above, right? And Shulgin obviously has no need to know, but but they have questions, and he and he gets some answers, right? But the, he can't answer this, so he has to tell a lie. He has to say, well, we don't have any evidence uh, of any crash recovered exhibits. Uh, that's because Shulgin or nobody else uh, who's not part of MJ twelve. Or you know are supposed to know about this so even though now mj12 wasn't formed until the next day right that's when it was official but all these guys that became part of mj12 knew knew uh, or were under orders that you know some people do not have a need to know okay so that's a lie there and then finally three the possibility that some foreign nation has a form of propulsion possibly nuclear which is outside of our domestic knowledge okay they're saying the same thing today that was 75 years ago now if if it was okay now let's 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 use our common sense here okay if russia or china back in 1947 which by the way weren't not nearly close to us technologically at that time not close somewhat close but not that close especially uh russia was just getting you know getting close to you know launching its first nuclear you know detonating detonating its first nuclear bomb okay but there were no, there was no other nation on earth that was stronger and more technologically advanced than the united states in 1947 it's just a known fact okay nothing else here nobody else here so this same lie that they were telling in 1947, they told just recently this past summer to Congress again. They tell, they're telling the same lie for 75 years. And let's, let's consider, let's use our common sense. If, if that statement is true, okay, if those objects that people have been seeing since 1947 were manufactured in Russia or China or some other country, right? then they would have attacked us with them already. They would have taken over the world already. And over, the, over the last 75 years? What, are you kidding me? They would have got us, and they, we wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. Anybody who, who is to master this technology first is gonna, could take over the whole planet. So that's a lie. Those are the three lie, the lie parts of this document. But again, before we... I, I don't want to get too upset with this document because at the same time, they're admitting... They admitted that the phenomenon is real and not visionary or fictitious, right? Uh, they know about these things. They exist, right? And obviously, they're they something that no, no, no human is doing. No human could do. No human has this technology. If they did, if some humans did, they would have already used it. It would have been came, it would have be, became public after 75 years. 
It, there's no way it could be have been maintained a secret for this long. That's because these it's not people who are doing it. It's just not people. Not people as we know people, right? It's beings from other places that aren't from here. This is smoking gun evidence, folks. This proves that the United States government has has been lying, has, has been keeping this a secret for 75 years. This document, right? This document, which is uh it's it's verified, right? There's no there's no mystery on it wasn't leaked by you know, it wasn't leaked secretly, and, and there's no uh debate over over its veracity. It's all it's accepted. But when you look at this document, you know you realize that this is real and and when you when you think about the implications of this document the words in this document you realize that there's an extraterrestrial presence on earth and and the government has been keeping this a secret all these years okay now let's finish off finish up this with this document okay number 3 it is recommended that a headquarters army air forces issue a directive assigning a priority security classification and code name for a detailed study of this matter to include the preparation of complete sets of all available and pertinent data which will then be made available to the army navy atomic energy commission jrdb the air force scientific advisory group naca and the rand and nepa projects for comments and recommendations with a preliminary report to be forwarded within 15 days of receipt of the data and a detailed report thereafter every 30 days as the investigation develops a complete interchange of data should be effected four awaiting a specific directive air material command will continue the investigation within its current resources in order to more closely define the nature of the phenomenon Detailed essential elements of information will be formulated immediately for transmittal through channels signed Nathan F. Twining, Lieutenant General, United States of America. So there you go. That document is real. Now, I I will leave links uh, in the bottom of the page. I mean, in the description, excuse me, for you to check out these documents with your own eyeballs uh, and, and come to your own conclusions. But I don't think there is any other conclusion with regard to that, with regard to this document, other than it proves that there's been a cover-up for 75 years, right? Despite what anybody says, right? It's you could read that for yourself. This was written by a top general in, in, in the United States Army. Even, if, again, even if you don't believe the Majestic 12 stuff, which I do, but even if you don't believe it, that document there proves that the government has known about this and that they've covered it up for 75 years okay moving on to exhibit b now the next document we're going to talk about is the smith memo it's a document that was written by wilbert b smith in november of 1950 now wilbert b smith was uh, a radio engineer with canada's department of transport and uh, in the early 1950s, he, he headed uh, Canada's investigation into UFOs called Project Magnet. Now, before Project Magnet, not long before Project Magnet, uh, there was a memo that Mr. Smith had written. It was a top secret memo, and it did not become declassified until uh, sometime during the 1970s. But the memo, uh, we're going to read it right now. It's dated November 21st, 1950. 
Memorandum to the Controller of Telecommunications. For the past several years, we have been engaged in the study of various aspects of radio wave propagation. The vagaries of this phenomenon have led us into the fields of aurora, oceanic radiation, atmospheric radioactivity, and geomagnetism. In the case of geomagnetics, our investigations have contributed little to our knowledge of radio wave propagation as yet but nevertheless have indicated several avenues of investigation which may well be explored with profit. For example, we are on the track of a means whereby the potential energy of the Earth's magnetic, magnetic field may be abstracted and used. On the basis of theoretical considerations, a small and very crude experimental unit was constructed approximately a year ago and tested in our standards laboratory. The tests were essentially successful in that sufficient energy was abstracted from the Earth's field to operate a voltmeter, approximately 50 milliwatts. Although this unit was far from being self-sustaining, it nevertheless demonstrated the soundness of the basic principles in a qualitative manner and provided useful data for the design of a better unit. The design has now been completed for a unit which should be self-sustaining and in addition provide a small surplus of power, such a unit, in addition to functioning as a pilot power plant, should be large enough to permit the study of the various reaction forces which are expected to develop. We believe that we are on the track of something which may well prove to be the introduction of new technology. The existence of a different technology is borne out by the investigations which are being carried on at the present time in relation to flying saucers. While in Washington, attending the NARS conference, Two books were released, one titled Behind the Flying Saucers by Frank Scully and the other Flying Saucers Are Real by Donald Kehoe. Both books dealt mostly with sightings of unidentified objects and both books claimed that flying objects were of extraterrestrial origin and might well be spaceships from another planet. Scully claimed that the preliminary studies of one saucer that fell into the hands of the United States government indicated that they operated on some hitherto unknown magnetic principles. It appeared to me that our own work in geomagnetics might well be the linkage between our technology and the technology by which the saucers are designed and operated. If it is assumed that our geomagnetic investigations are in the right direction, the theory of operation of the saucers becomes quite straightforward, with all observed features explained qualitatively and quantitatively. I made discreet inquiries through the Canadian Embassy staff in Washington, who were able to obtain for me the following information. A. The matter is the most highly classified subject in the United States government, rating even higher than the A-bomb. B. Flying saucers exist. C. Their modus operandi is unknown, but concentrated effort is being made by a small group headed by Dr. Vannevar Bush. D. The entire matter is considered by the United States authorities to be of tremendous significance. I was further informed that the United States authorities are investigating along quite a number of these of the lines which might possibly be related to the saucers such as mental phenomena and I gather that they are not doing too well since they indicated that if Canada is doing anything at all in geomagnetics they would welcome a discussion with suitably accredited Canadians. While I am not yet in a position to say that we have solved even the first problems in geomagnetic energy release, 
I feel that the correlation between our basic theory and the available information on saucers checks too closely to be mere coincidence. It is my honest opinion that we are on the right track and are fairly close to at least some of the answers. Mr. Wright, Defense Research Board Liaison Officer at the Canadian Embassy in Washington, was extremely anxious for me to get in touch with Dr. Solant, Chairman of the Defense Research Board, to discuss with him future investigations along the lines of geomagnetic energy release. I do not feel that we have yet have as yet sufficient data to place before Defense Research Board which would enable a program to be initiated within that organization, but I do feel that further research is necessary and I would prefer to see it done within the framework of our own organization with, of course, full cooperation and exchange of information with other interested bodies. I discussed this matter fully with Dr. Solant, Chairman of Defense Research Board, on November 20th and placed before him as much information as I have been able to gather to date. Dr. Solant agreed that work on geomagnetic energy should go forward as rapidly as possible and offered full cooperation of his board in providing laboratory facilities, acquisition of necessary items of equipment, and specialized personnel for incidental work in the project. I indicated to Dr. Solant that we would prefer to keep the project with the Department of Transport for the time being until we have obtained sufficient information to permit a complete assessment of the value of our work. It is therefore recommended that a project be set up within the framework of this section to study this problem and that the work be carried on a part-time basis until such time as sufficient tangible results can be seen to warrant more definitive action. Costs of the program in its initial stages are expected to be less than a few hundred dollars and can be carried by our radio standards lab appropriation. Attached here too is a draft of terms of reference for such a project, which if authorized will enable us to proceed with this research work within our own organization. Signed, W.B. Smith, Senior Radio Engineer. But again, let's go back to the uh highlight of this letter now of course the letter itself i mean you're talking this is some scientist he's talking very seriously about geomagnetics and 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 trying to advance in that uh, field uh but uh, meanwhile he brings up that he, he was making discreet inquiries and uh in, in washington and he found out these different things that the flying saucers do exist right uh they don't know how they're operating uh there was a small group headed by dr vanover bush Right? Who happens to be, by the way, uh, one of the names on the MJ-12 list uh, from 1947. Uh, it's the most classified subject in the United States, uh, rating even higher than the A-bomb. Well, why wouldn't it be? I mean, you know, yes, of course it would be. And it's the, considered, it was also considered by the United States authorities to be of tremendous significance. Of course, of course it will be, would be. But see, there you go. Now, here's, now this is another one. Now, this is a, somebody that made inquiries uh, into this matter, uh, a Canadian, and this document was kept secret for uh, well, many years uh, into the into the late 1970s, and uh, and it shows that yes, uh, this guy received information from certain people after making some discreet inquiries, and uh, this is the information he got, and the information shows that there's no question that. They know all about it. They know that there's flying saucers. They know that they're real and they're trying, they're studying them. They don't know how they operate. They don't know what the modus operandi is, right? So they did look, they, they, this is, this again, this is verification, further verification 
you know, uh, and, and this is again an official document. This ain't something that you know that that everyone's uh, you know claiming on whether no no one's throwing out uh, uh, concerns that oh we don't know if this is real or not. no no everybody agrees it's real it's real okay it's now declassified it was a as a top secret Canadian document that is now declassified and it states clearly. Flying saucers ex- B on, on, this, on, this, on this memo. B, flying saucers exist, period. There you go. There you go. Okay. And the other, uh, the matter is the most highly classified subject in the United States government, rating higher even than the H-bomb. That's, that's pretty clear, right? You know, all of this is very clear. But, you know, now this, this, this Wilbert Smith is going to come into play again here. Because um, before, right before we get into our uh, third and final document, which uh, will put the icing on the cake here. Um, now, in, in, in the early 1980s, there was a Canadian researcher. His name was Arthur Bray. And he was, and, and by this time, Wilbur Smith, he had passed on. And he was going through some of the papers of the late uh, Wilbur Smith. And he came upon some handwritten notes relating to a conversation that Smith had had um, yeah, in, in about UFOs in, 19, in 1950, September of 1950, with uh, Robert Sarbacher. This Robert Sarbacher was a brilliant scientist who, who had connections with the Pentagon, right? And uh, so uh, when, <laughs> that, that was very interesting information. So that means that, and, and the interesting thing was at this time in 1982, he was still alive. Robert Starbacher was still alive, right? So this uh, Stanton Friedman and uh, UFO researchers, uh, Stanton Friedman and, and William Steinman, you know, they decided, to, oh, we're going to look into this. Well, Steinem, you know, sent Starbacher, you know, this brilliant scientist who happened to still be alive, a letter in, 19, uh, in, the, in the early 1980s. And all of this leads to Exhibit C. Now, this is a letter that was written by Robert Sarbacher, okay? This guy was a scientist. He was a brilliant scientist. And uh, a UFO researcher, William Steinman, had sent him a letter asking him if he was uh, aware uh, of the things that uh, Wilbert Smith had alleged in these notes, so and and on November twenty, a letter dated November 29th, nineteen eighty three, Saw Barker responded, and here's what it says: Dear Mister Steinman, I am sorry I have taken so long in answering your letters. However, I have moved my office and I have had to make a number of extended trips. The answer to answer your last question in your letter of October fourteenth, nineteen eighty three. There is no particular reason I feel I shouldn't or couldn't answer any or all of your questions. I am delighted to answer all of them to the best of my ability. You listed some of your questions in your letter of September 12th. I will attempt to answer them as you had listed them. 1. Relating to my own experience regarding recovered flying saucers, I had no association with any of the people involved in the recovery and have no knowledge regarding the dates of the recoveries. If I had, I would send it to you. Two, regarding verification that persons you list were involved, I can only say this. John Von Neumann was definitely involved. Dr. Vannevar Bush was definitely involved. And I think Dr. Robert Oppenheimer also. 
My association with the Research and Development Board under Dr. Compton during the Eisenhower administration was rather limited so that although I had been invited to participate in several discussions associated with the reported recoveries, I could not personally attend the meetings. I am sure that they would have asked Dr. Von Braun and the others that you listed were probably asked and may or may not have attended. This is all I know for sure. Three, I did receive some official reports when I was in my office at the Pentagon, but all of these were left there as at that time we were never supposed to take them out of the office. Four, I do not recall receiving any photographs such as you request, so I am not in a position to answer. Five, I have to make the same reply as on number four. I recall the interview with Dr. Brenner of the Canadian Embassy. I think the answers I gave him were the ones you listed. Naturally, I was more familiar with the subject matter under discussion at that time. Actually, I would have been able to give more specific answers had I attended the meetings concerning the subject. You must understand that I took this assignment as a private contribution. We were called dollar-a-year men. My first responsibility was the maintenance of my own business activity so that my particip- so that my participation was limited. About the only thing I remember at this time is that certain materials reported to have come from flying saucer crashes were extremely light and very tough. I am sure our laboratories analyzed them very carefully. There were reports that instruments or people operating these these machines were also of very light weight, sufficient to withstand the tremendous deceleration and acceleration associated with their machinery. I remember in talking with some of the people at the office that I got the impression these aliens were constructed like certain insects we have observed on Earth, wherein, because of the low mass, the inertial forces involved in operation of these instruments would be quite low. I still don't know why the high order of classification has been given and why the the denial of the existence of these devices. I am sorry it has taken me so long to reply, but I suggest you get in touch with the others who may be directly involved in this program. Sincerely yours, Dr. Robert Sarbacher. So there you go, folks. Additional confirmation. Uh, Additional smoking gun proof that there is an extraterrestrial presence here and that the government has known about it for a long time. And as uh, one more little cherry on top, uh, in the book UFOs and the National Security State, the cover-up cover exposed, 1973 to 1991, this is uh, by Richard M. Dolan. Uh, this book, uh, this is basically volume two of UFOs and the, and the National Security State. On page two, 278, <clears throat> Uh, Saul Barker actually talked talk to Steinman again. Okay, this is this is a direct paragraph from uh, UFOs and the National Security State, Volume Two, by Richard M. Dolan, and I will leave a link uh, in the description uh, if you're interested in this book. I actually highly recommend this book as well as uh, UFOs and the National Security State, Volume One, by Richard Dolan, uh, if you're interested in, in the subject of UFOs and how the government has handled it. This uh, issue throughout the years anyway here's a direct paragraph on page 278 of his book it says later Sawbarker told steinman that a certain dr eric walker was involved walker was another prominent scientist and former president of penn state university Sawbarker told steinman that walker for sure 
attended UFO meetings at Wright-Patterson Air Force, Air Force Base in the early 1950s. Walker, too, was still alive. Steinman found Walker and spoke to him, receiving the startlingly, startlingly candid reply, Yes, I attended meetings concerning that subject matter. Walker said he had known of MJ-12 since 1947, but told Steinman he was, quote, delving into an area that you can do absolutely nothing about, end quote, and advised him to, quote, leave it alone, end quote. So there you go. There was corroboration, and there was another scientist telling this reporter, this investigator, to just leave it alone. You know, he admitted it, but he wasn't going to talk about it. But we all have, we have the documents. There you go. I mean, you don't need anything else. You know, the, the whole thing is, you know, we're, all of us today, at, at this time, moment in time, we're all worried about, oh, what's Lou Elizondo going to say, you know, when he comes out with his book? Or, you know, uh, does Jeremy Corbell have some more video to show us, you know? Or, or uh, you know, is the Black Vault, you know, going to uh, gonna reveal some some more, more you know, uh, documents you know get some more documents from the government via free freedom of information act request well that's that's all good uh, that's great stuff but you know we already know it's already been revealed this has already been revealed and we ignore it this has been ignored i mean particularly the the letter uh the the, the initial letter there by twining by general twining general nathan twining wrote that letter and you know it's real that that this is you know, he he said he said it's not visionary or fictitious. You know, they're real. You know, and, and they and they they're, they're 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 more advanced than what we got because we can't catch up to them and are obviously intelligently controlled. Because when we get near them, they take off. They just they fly away. And this was you know he's saying this. This was after three months of this. You know, this thing all started. Okay, he wrote that letter. It, it's September twenty third. 1947 it was this it's only it was only going on this whole ufo flying saucer phenomenon only was going on for three months by that point but yet they he had all this information they they they, they were seeing so much of it pilots and military personnel and plus civilian witnesses they were seeing so much of it they knew they knew they have they had photographic evidence there was the picture taken by William D. Rhodes, a, a guy in, in Phoenix, Arizona, of one of these craft that, that resembled pretty much the same thing that Kenneth Arnold had seen. You know, so there were there were pictures. They already had things in, in 1947. And not only that, Twining knew. There's no question. He had to know. Twining knew about Roswell. I mean, he was on the MJ-12. Whether you want to believe that or not, I mean... He, he had to know about what happened at Roswell. I mean, he, we have Jesse Marcel Sr. telling us, in, in 19, starting from 1978 until his death in the mid-'80s, saying, hey, this was no weather balloon, folks. You know, I, I was the top intelligence official at, at, at Roswell Army Air Force Base of the 509th Bomb Group. And I'm, I, I tell you, this was nothing I've ever seen before. It was unearthly. And, but again, we have documented evidence. Not, not, that, none of that even matters. Even if you don't believe in Roswell or Majestic 12, you, you have to believe in this. These are all you know, official documents, for sure. No question. Unquestionably. And basically, Twining is saying in 1947, the same thing that the Pentagon officials were telling Congress late, earlier this year. 
So basically, all these years have gone by and they're doing the same thing. They're telling the same lies. The same lies. In the Twining memo, for instance, they're, they're saying that there's, uh, you know, he suggests that it could be uh, domestic, right? We went over this before. There's no way it was domestic. There's no way it could have been domestically, uh, of domestic origin, these objects. They're st- and, and they're still saying that today. So you're going to tell me that in 1947, somebody in the United States, right, you know, in their in their in their garage, you know, or their secret uh, or, or some secret uh, uh, base somewhere, right, that, that that had no connections with the government or anything else, d- developed flying saucers that could outrun, you know, that could fly rings around uh, our aircraft, you know. You know, for, for, you know, and even we weren't even using jet fighters hardly yet. It wasn't until 1948. Until I mean, yes, of course, jet fighters were under development, but it really wasn't until like the later 40s till our flyers start flying them with regularity. So you're going to tell tell me that that these that somebody of the in the United States had developed these secretly without the government knowing about it? Come on. And of course, I, I, of course, I also believe that uh, uh, Twining's uh, mention of the lack of physical evidence. Okay, of course, he had a lie. Again, this was a secret memo. Like, like again, take note of this. Take note of that. You know, the lack of physical evidence. If you believe in Roswell, which I do, and a lot of people actually do, uh, you wouldn't. You would know. You would realize that Twining definitely knew about the Roswell crash. So he had a lie. But that's that's okay. That's okay because even though he's lying here on, on some of it, we know he's telling the truth about the rest of it. And then, of course, the possibility that some foreign nation has a form of propulsion, possibly nuclear, which is outside of our domestic knowledge. Now, come on, come on. Nineteen forty-seven. You think Russia or China had anything close to what we had? Come on. And again, this is the same lie. Again, they're still telling. They're still telling Congress today. It's extraterrestrial, folks. It's the biggest secret of all time. It's the best kept, the best kept secret of all time. And you know, and, and you know what? The aliens themselves, obviously, these extraterrestrials themselves, they want to be, they want this secret too. It's all a big secret. The, the government's keeping a secret, and the aliens want to be secretive. Basically, what's going on behind behind the scenes here, what I believe is happening, and why this has been kept secret for seventy five years, very successfully, is because, you know, the, the governments there's a race among governments, a secret race to basically uh, develop these things. You know, figure out how they work, figure out how you could build them and, and make them work just the way the, the our visitors make them work. You know, and there's a lot of other little things besides flying at incredible speeds and making hard right, right angle turns in the sky, right? And, and and flying at speeds so fast that it looks like they actually disappear. There's things that are even there's other things that these these uh, beings are capable of doing, and that's like basically shutting down nuclear weapons facilities, as was demonstrated by uh, flying saucers uh, in in the 1960s. And in, uh, there was quite a few of them, but the one the well-known was the 1967 uh, Malmstrom incident, right? Where flying saucer shows up and basically shuts down all the mis- missiles and they, they, would, they, they wouldn't be able to launch them if they wanted to. So it's an, in addition to the, having the technology to, to fly at tremendous speeds and silently with no sound whatsoever, uh, you, I mean, another aspect of this would be to try to uh, reverse engineer the technology that's, able, that's capable of shutting down nuclear weapon systems. 
Now, if, if, if the United States was able to do that, uh, we'd be able to shut down all, you know, from all these uh, other countries, you know, North Korea, Russia, you know, any enemy country that has these things, we could shut them down and basically take control. We could take control of the whole world. Or, you know, maybe Russia, if they figure it out before we do, they can take, they, they, and let me tell you, they would take control of the whole world if they got this. They would take. They would shut down our missile systems, and they would take over the world if they had that kind of technology. But again, that's what I think is going on, and that's why they're keeping it secret. It's about military uh, reasons. It's, that's that's all it's ever been. But yes, this is this is absolute proof. This is a smoking gun proof. It's always been right there. We've talked about it for we've talked about it for years. It's smoking gun proof. It's it's undeniable. These letters are official. It's not like they were faked or anything. There's no question. There, there's nothing to question there. These letters, these letters, these documents were real. These memos, everything about them was real. And they're talking about this stuff, and uh, they're telling you that it's real. And or actually, they're telling the people they're meant to be sent to that it's real. They weren't actually made for the, <laughs> uh, except for for Sar- Sarbacher's letter right the first two the twining um, uh, letter and also the wilbert smith memo they were they were written to people in in government and were meant to be secret um now the other letter uh, was meant to be public but Saulbacher apparently didn't care he just came right out with what he knew and he actually said there are beings and they're like they're, they're built like insects from what he's heard so they know all about it's all it's all it's it, it's real that's the smoking gun proof. Well, why doesn't the, why doesn't the mainstream media ever like talk about this? Why didn't the mainstream media uh, talk about how the Pentagon continues to lie, c- continues to, to bring in people and lie to Congress? They just lied to Congress a couple months ago, you know. And they're telling the same story they were telling seventy five years ago. Oh, it could be uh, domestic. It could be uh, foreign enemies. No, it's not. It could. There's no. Let, let, okay, let's look at it this way. Back then, there's no way it was anybody domestically. There's no way we weren't that advanced technologically we, at, at that point. There's no way we could have made something like that. There's absolutely no chance of it, right? And the same goes for our, our foreign enemies at the time. Russia, there was no way. They, were, they weren't anywhere near where we were, right? They were working on the atomic bomb. That's what they were worried about at the time. They weren't building flying saucers. And again, if they did, then they we would have known about it by now. 75 years have gone by. So no, it's not. It was, it's no, and they're telling the same thing. It's like they they pulled out the old playbook. Oh, we'll just go into Congress. And we'll just tell them the same thing we told them seventy five years ago. The freaking United States public, they're a bunch of freaking idiots anyway. You know, the only people will will call us out probably for sure is the the people that know better. But you know, we'll just we'll, you know we'll, everyone else will just think they're nuts. No, but yeah, you know. Using your head, using common sense, you know, you know that this is real. You know that they're pulling, trying to, at least trying to pull the, the blinders over your eyes. So, yes, this is smoking gun evidence, folks. Smoking gun evidence. And uh, there you go. You know, think about it. Read the documents yourselves. Get, look, read some of these books I keep talking about. UFOs on the National Security State, Volumes 1 and 2, uh, Top Secret Magic, uh, Operation Majestic 12, and, and the United States government's UFO cover-up. Uh, you know, if you want to read a really good book, you know, about Roswell, read uh, Roswell, cold, uh, The Ultimate Cold Case Closed. You know, the, I'll leave links for these books in the description. Check them out. 
You know, educate yourself because you're not going to get an education. You're not going to get a, enough of an education on this subject just by simply uh, watching documentaries on TV or, you know, watching the occasional 60 Minutes interview with uh, some Navy pilot. I mean, again, you're going to walk away unsatisfied because you're just not going to have enough information. These books that I tell you about, you get enough information from them, right? And not only that, but we also, in addition to those books, you, you there is evidence. There's absolute evidence. I like to see the, the bunkers come up with what, what's the debunkers' answer to the, to these things, you know, to, to you know to this uh, to the letters, you know, what, what what do they say about Nathan Twining, you know, and and his nineteen forty seven letter to Gen- Brigadier General Shulgin? What what do they have to say? They can't. They, there's nothing they can say that would make any sense. So yeah. This this is it's over. It's a done deal already. This is a done deal. I, I mean, seventy because they told just told the same lie. They told the same. This is the bottom line here. The bottom the point of the biggest point of all of this is this. They just told the same lie this year that they told in 1947. They're telling the same. I mean, this it's not like they're saying oh there's there's no such thing as UFOs. No, they're admitting that there's things out there, but they're trying to tell you oh it could be domestic. It could be foreign. That's a lie now. We know that. It has to be a lie. It's always been a lie. It's been a lie from the beginning. Time has, has borne that out. Anyway, thanks for listening.